You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. The Jews took the separation to the extreme. They treated Gentiles with extreme prejudice. They treated Gentiles like the enemy. They avoided them. They shunned them. They despised them. Go ahead and do it again. Right? No way. The Jews said, in fact, this was what they used to say, the Jews said that God created the Gentiles to make hell hotter. The Jewish hatred for the Gentiles was really intense. Gentiles were all of the people who weren't Jewish. In today's message, Pastor Dion teaches how God carefully orchestrated the gospel message to reach the Gentiles in spite of the Jewish opposition. There were a lot of factors that lined up perfectly to make it possible for Gentiles to receive the good news. The gospel is meant for everyone. Jesus lived, died, and rose again so that anyone, yes, anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now let's join Pastor Dion in the book of Acts chapter 10 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. You know that page that divides the Old and New Testament? That page between the Old and the New Testament, Alexander the Great conquered the known world. But because of a few things, mostly that he was very superstitious, he didn't try to conquer or Hellenize Israel. He had conquered and Hellenized, and that word means that he imposed, he basically influenced the rest of the world everywhere he conquered with the Greek language, with education, with Greek culture. He influenced it. But when he came to Israel, for very superstitious reasons, he didn't conquer Israel, and he didn't try to Hellenize or influence them with the Greek culture. So Israel remained obscure and insignificant in the world, you know, view, remained insignificant and obscure. Basically, Israel stayed as a country lost in time for over 200 years. Everybody say, for 200 years. So the rest of the world was, you know, being influenced by Greek culture. Everybody was speaking the same language. Everybody was being influenced by the culture and education and all of those things that the Greeks brought, but not Israel. They maintained their Judaism for 200 years and basically stayed off the radar of the whole world. But then, everybody said what? But then, a young architectural engineer was given a chance to be governor of Israel. He wasn't a Jew, but he was given a chance to be governor of Israel. This young governor was ambitious because he was an architectural engineer. He wanted fortune. He wanted fame. He wanted power. He wanted to be somebody. He wanted to make a mark in history. He wanted to leave a legacy. Well, there was no better way to get on the world stage at that time than partnering with the current world power. That was, everybody say it. So here's this non-Jewish you know, engineer, architectural engineer, becomes governor over Israel, and he wants to make a mark, but the only way to do that is to basically get in bed with Rome. Well, he tried, and Rome required 
a few things before they would consider a partnership with this governor of Israel. Rome wanted a seaport in the area of Israel. That way it would be a doorway to the Middle East. See, there was no other harbor close to them except up in Lebanon, and it was very outdated. And Rome said, hey, listen, we'll partner with you, this governor in Israel, we'll partner with you if you build us a port, a seaport in this area. That way we can have a doorway to Syria and Iran and Babylon and Russia because we're conquering the world. We need that doorway. Well, the ambitious governor of Israel since he was an architectural engineer, constructed a lavish Roman seaport city. It was so lavish, any Roman would be proud to live in this city, right there in Israel. The port could handle the largest ships that were ever built, both cargo and military ships. This particular seaport that he built had the world's most beautiful gated communities, where high-ranking Roman officers and Roman diplomats could live in luxury. I mean, those particular gated communities would rival the sanctuary in Boca Raton, Florida. Or they would rival Tuxedo Park in New York. Listen, guys, Pontius Pilate had a palace in this place. So he built this seaport village. Not only did he build the gated communities, but this, you know, Guy built a 4,000-seat theater for entertainment. He built a horse track in this village. He built a sports arena, bathhouses, and a temple dedicated to Caesar Augustus. And because the water was bad there in that area, the governor of Israel went an extra mile and constructed an aqueduct to bring in fresh water from Mount Carmel, which was eight miles away, an above-ground ditch, so to speak, to bring the water into the city. The seaport city was one of the most impressive cities in the world. And the governor of Israel named it in honor of the Roman emperor Caesar. It was called Caesarea. Say it out loud, what? Caesarea. Right, Caesarea by the sea. The Roman emperor was so pleased, well you can imagine, he was so pleased with what this governor of Israel built, he was so pleased with the city that he decided that he would extend the ambitious governor of Israel the title of, everybody say it out loud, Herod the Great. Everybody say his name again, Herod the Great, or he also called him the King of the Jews. So if you ever wondered how that came about, that is the story behind the story. Now, what was going on after he built the city and while he was building the city, the Jews in Israel were protesting and rioting against Herod for building the port city because they didn't want the Romans or the Roman culture infecting their land. This harbor would bring the pagan world into Israel's backyard. And they didn't want it. They were like, no way. So sometime after the seaport was built, Jesus, our Savior, was born. His life and ministry impacted all of Israel. 
Jesus displayed power over sickness, over disease, over demons, over nature. He displayed power over sin. Jesus even displayed power over death by raising the dead. Not only others, but he raised himself from the dead. Isn't that awesome, guys? So, seaport is built. Jesus comes. He begins to do ministry. He is resurrected from the dead. After Jesus' resurrection, Jesus told his disciples to share the good news of who he is and his salvation. He told them, share it with everyone, everywhere. In fact, here are the orders. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Read it with me. And then Jesus told them, go into, everybody, all the world. Say it again, all the world, all right? He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. All right, and then there's Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Read it with me. You will be my witnesses, Jesus tells them, telling people about me where? Everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and everybody out loud, and to the ends of the earth. All right? So Jesus resurrects from the dead. He sends out his apostles, his disciples, to go and share the news of who he is and his salvation. Well, for the first couple of years after Jesus sent them out, the apostles saturated Jerusalem with the gospel. It's a Jewish city. They saturated all of Jerusalem with the gospel. Thousands of people in Jerusalem believed and followed Jesus. But they stayed in Jerusalem. But then Saul of Tarsus, a violent Christian hater, initiated a Christian genocide. In Jerusalem. So here they are. They're supposed to go into all the world. They're staying in Jerusalem. They've been there for a few years. Saturate the city. But he says, Jesus had told them going to all the world. They're not moving until this guy Saul of Tarsus does a Christian genocide. Christians began fleeing from Jerusalem. There was a mass exodus. Christians were scattered all over Israel. But none of the refugees fled to Caesarea, that port city, because it was strictly Roman. It was strictly a Roman Gentile, everybody say the word, what? Gentile city. Oh, Gentiles. Let's say it out loud. Oh, Gentiles. You should spit twice when you say Gentile. Go ahead. Watch your neighbor, okay? Gentiles. All right? Now, according to the Old Testament law, that's the first five books of the Bible, Jews were not to partner or marry non-Jews. They weren't supposed to partner or marry non-Jews or Gentiles because God had a special relationship with the Jews because of Abraham. Now, God wanted the Jews to be lights of his love and his grace to all of the world. God wanted the Jews to not compromise their faith and their heritage with the unclean or the dark Gentiles. He didn't want that. He didn't want them to be, everybody say the word, what? Unclean. Now the rest of the world is Gentiles. He has a special, uh, you know, 
relationship with them, and the rest of the world is dark, and he wants them to reflect him because he has a a desire to reach the rest of the world. He wants to use them as a light. You guys got it? He has a special relationship. But he tells them, hey, listen, but I don't want you to compromise with what they're doing because I don't want you to be unclean. Say the word again, what? Unclean. But the Jews took the separation to the extreme. He told them not to partner or marry. But the Jews took the separation to the extreme. They treated Gentiles with extreme prejudice. They treated Gentiles like the enemy. They avoided them. They shunned them. They despised them. Go ahead and do it again. Right? No way. The Jews said, in fact, this was what they used to say, the Jews said that God created the Gentiles to make hell hotter. That was their view, all right? Taking it to the extreme. In fact, remember Jonah? God specifically told Jonah to go preach to a Gentile city, and he refused. He said, I'm not going to do it because they don't deserve it. They are Gentiles. They deserve what they're getting. They should go to hell. Remember the Pharisees during Jesus' ministry? How they would actually go through Samaria, then they cross, they would shake the dust off the sandals of their feet because they didn't want to be infected. Whenever they were walking through the marketplace, they would pull their robe close so that it wouldn't even graze any Gentiles and they might get cooties, become unclean, those heathens. It's pretty sad, isn't it? Well, God never said that they were kindling for the fires of hell, nor did he intend that. In fact, God promised in the Old Testament that one day he would include all Gentiles in his special relationship of salvation. Isn't that cool? I want to include all of them, all right, in my special relationship of salvation. In fact, God said the Messiah will bring salvation to the Gentiles too. In fact, here's the verse. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. Read it with me. Indeed, God says, it's too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So God promised and he said, hey, the Messiah is going to come and it's too small of a thing if he's just going to save one race of people. Oh no, I have a desire to save the whole thing. My Messiah will come and be a light and salvation to save the whole world. Awesome. Pretty cool. And then there's Zechariah chapter 2 and verse 11. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on that day, and they too will be my people. Isn't that awesome? All right. So that's what God promised. Well, when Jesus, the Messiah, came, the prophecies that God had spoken, salvation to the Gentiles, were fulfilled. Jesus brought salvation to both Jews and Gentiles. In fact, 
A very familiar Bible verse confirms it. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 16. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the what world through Him might be saved. So, back to our chapter. Now in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, up to this point, the apostles had only shared the gospel with Jews. Not to the rest of the world. Not to the Gentiles. They had only spoken to Jews. In fact, Peter, we read it, didn't even want to leave Jerusalem. Everybody say, andale. Or if you're bilingually challenged, just say, come on, man. What's up with that? But then, we read, finally, Peter left his bunker of fear and ventured out to visit congregation members that had scattered because of the persecution. Saul had come in, they had all scattered, Peter stayed there, but now, at this point, he finally ventures out, all right? He ventures out, and here's what he does. He's in Jerusalem, he was in Jerusalem, he finally ventures out and goes up, called Lydda. Everybody say the name, what? Lydda. There in Lydda, while he's there, he encounters a gentleman who's paralyzed. And Peter prays for the gentleman, just like Jesus did. He was just like Jesus. He prayed for the paralyzed man, and the paralyzed man was healed. Isn't that awesome, guys? It was so awesome. Well, listen, over in Joppa, they heard about the miracle of the paralyzed man in Lydda. And in Joppa, there was a woman who was part of the congregation there, very generous, a blessed woman. She was gracious. She would give to the widows and the orphans, but she died. So they prayed, or they sent a messenger to Lydda to ask Peter if he would come to Joppa in order to pray for this dead lady. You guys got it? All right, so Joppa, in Joppa, Peter goes in to this place where the dead woman is lying in the viewing, and he goes over and he kneels down, he takes her by the hand, and just like Jesus, he says, Tabitha kumai, which is, means Tabitha arise, and the Holy Spirit flood, the life of God flooded right back into her body, and she resurrected from the dead. That's a big cheer right there. All right? Awesome. It was awesome. Now, according to the record, after Peter raised Tabitha from the dead, he stayed in that city, Joppa, for a while. But where he stayed is a bit alarming. So he stayed in Joppa, where he raised Tabitha from the dead, but where he stayed is a little bit alarming. Let's pick up the story there. Acts chapter 9, let's read verse 42. But it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed on the Lord, the Tabitha's resurrection. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa, everybody say this out loud with me, with Simon a Tanner, all right? So he stays in Joppa with Simon a Tanner. Now listen, Peter stayed in the house of a Jewish Tanner, that means a taxidermist, all right? Peter stayed with a taxidermist. Now, taxidermists, 
were on the top five list of people Jews avoided. Oh yeah, Jews avoided Gentiles, psychics, tax collectors, flusies, and tanners, all right? Flusies, yeah, and taxidermists. The reason they avoided taxidermists is because taxidermists dealt with dead animals. So they were considered unclean. They were considered bad, bad company, right? That they were. So it's a bit curious that Peter would be staying at Simon's house. Because after all, I mean, Simon is a Jew, but he's a tanner, he's unclean. So it's a little curious that Peter would be staying at Simon's house. But it's possible that Simon, the taxidermist, was the only one that invited Peter over after he raised Tabitha from the dead. He might have been the only one to invite Peter over. You might say, huh. But me, being a pastor, I know that some people are apprehensive about having a pastor over. Okay? I see the fear in their eyes when I suggest getting together. Why do you laugh? You've, some of you have made that face. A visit from the pastor makes people feel anxious, insecure, a little stressed. So I imagine it would have been even scarier to have the first pope over to your house for the night. Not to mention, Peter was a wanted felon. All the Christian leaders were wanted. There had been a bolo, there had been a warrant put out for their arrest from long ago. So people could have been, you know, a little apprehensive because they might be arrested for aiding and abetting of one of these Christian leaders. So maybe nobody invited Peter over except Simon. The only guy that was wearing a Vote for Pedro t-shirt was Simon the Tanner, all right? And, everybody say and, there was one other guy wearing the Vote for Pedro t-shirt, one other guy other than Simon, and that was a Gentile named Cornelius. Alright, let's read the story. There was a certain man in, everybody say it, Caesarea, that port city, he's Roman, called Cornelius. Here's what he is, a centurion. That is a Roman soldier that takes care of a hundred men. He is a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment. A devout man and one who feared God with all of his household. So it tells you he's from the Italian regiment, meaning that he is full Roman. Alright, he's not diluted, he's, not, he's full Roman. He is completely Gentile. Everybody say dirty. Alright. A devout man and one who feared God with all of his household. Wow. Who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. As we cling to the simple Our time with you is coming to an end today on The Simple Truth, but we're so glad that you joined us for Pastor Dion's teaching in the Book of Acts. There's much more to learn from the life of the early church, so we hope you'll tune in again. If you're listening in the Española area right now, we would like to extend an invitation to you. 
Come join us for our weekly services at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. Come by at 9 or 11 a.m. to spend time with us in worship, Bible study, and fellowship. We also meet on Wednesday evenings for a Bible study at 7 and Saturday evenings at 6.30. You'll find directions and more information about Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel when you visit tmcalvary.com. If you can't make it in person, you can still join us virtually through Facebook Live. Just follow the link to our Facebook page at tmcalvary.com and tune in this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. While you're at our website, you'll also be able to access our archive of previous teachings on various books of the Bible by Pastor Dion. Just click on Sermons at the top of the page to open our audio archive or visit our YouTube page to experience the service through video. Feel free to share these links with anyone in your life that you think might benefit from hearing the simple truth of God's Word. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Simple Truth. We encourage you to read ahead in the book of Acts and discover more about the disciples and how the early church got started. Then join us next time for Pastor Dion's continuing verse-by-verse study right here on The Simple Truth. You're the one that we proclaim We'll be fools for you as you work in us May your power show in the deeds we sow Let us join our hands and together we stand Together